0: All right, let's get into the message tonight. You're there in Revelation chapter number 16, and we're continuing on with the vile, bold judgments. Remember, this is, Dylan is going to take us from the three and a half year period of that seven years, it's going to take us all the way down and usher in when the Lord Jesus, with all the armies gathered together there in Armageddon, Megiddo, and you have all the armies that come against God for that great last battle. Of course, they don't stand a chance against Almighty God, but they're going to try anyway, and they're going to gather together right there for the battle of Armageddon. And then we have Christ. Of course, if you're saved, you're coming back with him, and we'll come back, and he will uh, take care of business there as far as the battle of Armageddon. So these vile these judgments, these bold judgments, as we mentioned this morning, once you go through the book of the Revelation chronologically, and you see it building up, you do realize how horrible, how awful these vile judgments are. And especially in comparison that when we were in the first three and a half years, we had the seven seals and the seven trumpets, and we've seen how terrible they were. But these are so awful that we're in the great tribulation. It's been called the time of Jacob's trouble. And the last three and a half years, of course, is after in the mid that the Antichrist, He reveals who he is. He breaks that treaty with Israel, as the Bible said, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. And that's when he's going to go against Israel. He's going to reveal who he is. He's going to go into the temple and declare himself to be God, which will be the abomination of desolation. He will set up his image there. He will desire to be worshipped. He will have control of the economy. We know that because you're not... Able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast, and he'll be in full control and he will turn against Israel. He'll turn against those who believe on God and greatly persecute them with those who go by his side. And so this is going to take us. But before all that, and during that time, we see these uh, vile judgments. So let's go through them and then we're going to go down where we left off this morning. We talked about in verse number one I heard a great voice out of the temple saying, The seven angels, Go your way, ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. I think that's something we need to keep in mind. When you think about the tribulation period, you need to be thinking that what is its purpose? Its purpose is to, for God to pour, it would be seven years of God pouring out His wrath on an unbelieving world. See, I emphasize that. Be many people saved during the tribulation period. As we mentioned this morning, one of the greatest revivals found there People will believe and receive, and some will doubt and go without and choose to go with Antichrist. We see that, that first vial that went out was poured out, and when that happened there were great, noisome, grievous sores, bulls upon men that had the mark of the beast. And so those who have taken that mark in the right hand or the forehead will receive in their body a very painful, agonizing, uh, oozing, Uh, sore that the Bible says the more you study that as being a ulcer, a wound, or a tumor. All right, we've seen the comparison there. All right, next, that second vial, remember, this deals with the sea. It says in verse 3, The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. And so we find There as we talked about that second vial being a judgment upon the sea. That brings us to the third vial in verses 4 and 5. And the Bible says here, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of water, and they became blood. So we see not only the seas with the second, but then with the third vial, the inland waters, as we mentioned this morning, the inland waters, rivers, fountains of waters. This is in conjunction with the third trumpet found in Revelation chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. Uh, that, at that point, judgment was made in a third part of the inland waters, as you well remember. A third part, that third trumpet, the inland, third part of the inland waters were bitter as wormwood, but the third vial, it we see here, turn all those bitter waters into blood. All right. We talked about the unchanging law of divine retribution, which is found here in verse number 5. It is God's, it is the angel showing that God is fully justified in his actions and in his judgments. And I heard the angel of the waters say. So evidently there is an angel who is over the waters. All right. I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous. Okay, God, righteous means to do right. God will always do right. That's part of who he is. God is righteous. He said, O Lord, which art, past tense, and wast, okay, and shall be because thou hast judged thus. And in verse 6, for they have done what? They have shed the blood of saints, And prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for thou art worthy. So, this is the divine retribution of God that God reigns in heaven, he reigns supreme, he reigns sovereign, and he doesn't have to apologize to anybody for anything. God, the Bible says, God owes no man anything. And so, God will always do right, he is righteous. Let's look at the fourth vial in verses 8 and 9. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And power, when we see that word here in the book of the Revelation, it refers to authority. In the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. And blasphemed the name of God which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. In this one what will happen. The men have the the bulls, the sores upon their bodies. This agonizing pain. Next will become the seas will become blood. So that is going to take away some of the, the waters. Uh, drinking water and so forth, and also it's going to affect the fish industry, which in turn will affect the uh, food. And then we go to the inland waters, the third vial, when the fountain and rivers of water turn to blood. And when they do that, drinking water will become very scarce. (laughs) You imagine that we take it for granted a nice, cold, thank you, James, a nice, cold bottle of water. And I asked James when he brought this up here if this is gluten-free, right? Everything big about that now. All right, I know, like Dreamer, you got can't have the gluten. But on this one, imagine there's only so many supplies when it comes to water, only so many bottled waters. And once those are, hey, are depleted, there will be no other fresh water so you think about, you're there, you're in, you're in pain, uh, they're hurting, they're in agonizing pain with these sores, and then now we're out of drinking water that's going to be very scarce and eventually be obsolete. We're not going to have any more. And then the fourth vial comes, this angel has the authority to control the sun and to scorch men with fire. We noticed in a previous judgment a part of the sun had been dimmed that's found with the fourth trumpet back in revelation chapter number eight and verse number 12 it says in the fourth angel sounded and a third part of the sun was smitten and a third part of the moon and third part of the stars so as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for the third part of it and the night likewise so we see that happened in the fourth trumpet it goes in conjunction with the fourth vial. So we've seen a, what it affected back here in the first three and a half years with that fourth trumpet in losing a third of the sun's light, moon, stars. But here, guess what's happened? That men are scorched with the great heat. The sun will be turned upon them and the heat, folks, will be merciless upon them. Remember, the water system is totally useless. Imagine we've had scorching days in the summertime, even around here. Uh, We say, we, we use the term, boy, it's a scorcher out there, but there ain't been a scorcher like the likes of this that has ever been seen, and we have the convenience of, Air condition, we have the convenience of cold water and a good water supply and so forth, and they will not. This goes back to Malachi chapter 4 and verse number 1 when that Old Testament minor prophet said, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. That will be the fourth vial. Next, make sure I'm on the right page, yep. All right, so the false prophet had, you remember, had confirmed the beast in his position. This is back in Revelation chapter 13 by, remember that he had authority at that time to call down fire from heaven. That's found in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 13. The Bible says, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of man. But it will not be the same as what this is. Luke chapter 21, verse number 25. Listen, the Lord Jesus. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distresses of nations, with perplexity, the sea and waves roaring. When God's son, you remember when he died upon the cross, you think about those seven statements, you think about how nature performed during that time. Remember during that time, that dark time when God turned his back on his son to pour out your sin and my sin and all the sin of mankind, you remember that He put out the sun and there was darkness. Now, in comparison, it will be quickened to renewed and terrible life. Let me say that again. When God's Son died on the cross, He put out the sun and there was darkness. Now, at this point, when this vial is given, it will be quick, the sun will be quickened to renewed and terrible life. Next is a quote by Clarence Larkin that said, "Blessed will those people be who do not live to see that day. Blessed will those be who do not live to see that day." Again. Men scorched with heat from the sun. You know, we think about, (laughs) you hear a lot about heat waves a couple years ago. I remember when I was growing up back in the late 80s, early 90s, just a couple years ago, right? (laughs) That the big thing when we were in elementary school was, boy, you got to watch canned hairspray. You got to be careful about that stuff because we will deplete the ozone layer, right? don't hear much about the ozone layer anymore, but you hear more about global warming. And when I hear about global warming, they say, boy, it's getting hot. And I think, boy, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to tell you something. The Bible tells us in Peter's epistles (laughs) that it's all going to burn up. (laughs) It's all going to burn up one day. Boy, you think it's hot now. You think that the uh, climate is bad now. Oh, just wait, because we haven't seen anything yet. This will be the true global warming. Next, I want you to notice the fifth vial in verse number 10. It says, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. Now, when you think about that seat, I want you to think about authority, authority, I want you to think about his headquarters, where he's headquartered, Other beast. Now listen, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain. It's talking about severe, they are in severe agony. Another word we could use to try to describe the agony and pain they're in is the word writhe. Okay, they are writhing in pain, in excruciating pain, they're still suffering from the judgment of the first vial, which was to be the the open sores, the tumors, the malignant sores, the ulcers upon their bodies, and then to have all the, the water depleted during this time. And then not only that, but to be scorched, with the fire from the sun. Can you imagine that? It wasn't as though that they had these sores and then they've healed up and said, "Whoo, I'm glad them sores are over. Bring on the heat. No, they're still battling from that first one. It seems to indicate. Then there's this terrible, excruciating heat that had never been seen. No relief. No relief. No water. And then it says here, That in the fifth vial, when he poured, the angel poured out upon the seat of Satan, his headquarters, listen, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed in that darkness their tongues for pain. Can you imagine that? You ever been in pain? You ever been in excruciating, agonizing pain? I have been a few times, but I can't imagine what this is like. I've never been in so much pain that I chewed my tongue. I've never been in so much pain that I gnawed at my tongue. And I can't read that and to think about a place called hell, a real literal place called hell. Now you say, I don't like to think about that. Well, none of us do, but the Bible teaches it. And the Bible says that hell is the place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. It is a literal place of fire, a literal place of suffering, a literal place of darkness. But imagine these unbelievers. Listen, they have not yet got to that point yet. They're, boy, they got them sores, they're parched, they're thirsty from, uh, from that. And then comes the, the tremendous heat, and they're suffering from that. And then those are the followers of Antichrist. Notice it only got darkness at Satan's headquarters in his kingdom. And then in that great intense heat that they're just suffering from, God turns the light off and there's darkness. And in that darkness, you can imagine just being heated up, and then all of a sudden to turn out the lights. And in that moment, in that darkness, in that pain, in that suffering, in that agony, will they gnaw their tongues in pain. What is the sad thing about that? Well, the sad thing about it is verse 11, and blasphemed the God of heaven, because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. How sad that even after all they've been through, will they not repent? They will not repent. You say, why, preacher? Why won't they give up? Because the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. And it will drive them deeper and deeper and deeper into sin instead of pulling them out. The Bible says in Joel, that little minor prophet. If you want to know about the book of Revelation, you got to know about the minor major prophets. Joel chapter 2, verse 1-2. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is not at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong. There hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. We see it's a special judgment upon the headquarters of Antichrist. Uh, This uh, not worldwide darkness, only the beast, his throne, and his kingdom are affected. This goes along with the fifth trumpet back in Revelation chapter 9 and verse number 2, which says he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Let's move on. When God sent, you remember the ninth plague to Egypt, the entire land was dark. You remember that? But there was one place that was lit up, and it was Goshen. Remember? Where the Israelites lived. Hey, the judgment of the fifth vial is just the opposite of that. The light is for the world, but the darkness reigns at the headquarters of the beast. What a comparison. Let's look at the sixth vial. Verse number 12, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that, and for that reason, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Well, you say, that's not so bad of a vial. We're talking about scorching sun, we're talking about blood of the seas, inland waters, turning the blood, we're talking about painful bulls on the body, and then we think about that pitch black darkness, they will gnaw their tongues in pain. You say, well, that one wasn't so bad. What does that stand for? It's referring to the final war of all the ages, which will be the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation chapter 19. This is a famous river, the River Euphrates. It is mentioned early in Revelation in the sixth trumpet, Revelation chapter 9 and verse number 13. Revelation chapter 9, and verse number, actually it's 14. Saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. You remember that. So you see that it was mentioned there, those angels that had been bound there for many ages are released during that time of that sixth trumpet. So what with the drying up of the river will do is make it possible for the armies of the east To come to Palestine and to invade the Holy Land. All right, now let's talk about Armageddon. If we skip ahead just a little bit, we say it's going to dry up the land. Well, let's look at this for a minute. Let's talk about the river Euphrates before we get ahead of ourselves. The river Euphrates is 18,000 miles long, okay? And and in certain places, it's 3,600 feet wide. The Euphrates is one of the most prominent rivers in the Bible. And since the dawn of human history has stood as a natural barrier between the east and the west. A natural barrier between east and west. So we see if that gets dried up, what's going to happen. So the dried up of the river will make it possible for the armies of the kings of the east to come to Palestine and invade the Holy Land. As you look down at verse number 15, we're going to skip a few verses. And it says, And he gathered them together into the place called in the Hebrew tongue, the Old Testament, Bible, 39 books written in Hebrew, 27 books of the New Testament written in Greek. So the, in the Hebrew tongue is the word Armageddon. All right, the word Armageddon, the name Armageddon is made up of two Hebrew words, which is Har-Megiddo, H-A-R-M-E-G-I-D-D-O, which is, means the hill of Megiddo. All right, the word Megiddo itself means a place of troops. If you have a Schofield reference Bible and you, st- and you go to the center margin, you're going to see that it says, for the definition of Armageddon, it is a place of slaughter. Because what did it tell us in Revelation chapter number 14 is we got a preview of prospective prophecy as it lets us see behind the curtain a little bit and future events of what is getting ready to transpire after the vile judgments. It said that, that great battle... Will there be for 200 miles blood that will reach the horse's bridle? For 200 miles. 200 miles. It is also called, at other places in the Bible, the Valley of Jezreel. All right, it's 14 miles wide, 20 miles long. Napoleon, you remember he conquered the known earth at that time, he called it the most natural battlefield. Of the whole earth, this is also back going back to the Old Testament book of Judges. this is where Barak, you remember, uh, Barak or Barak, <laughs> you find in De- Deborah, they defeated the army of Canaan. That's Judges chapter five, and verse number nineteen. Also, remember it's where Gideon met the Midianites in Je- Judges chapter number seven, and also it was where Saul, King Saul, lost his life. So what will the Gentile nations do? The Gentile nations will look, they look at Armageddon as a battle, the great final battle toward God. That's their perspective, the Gentile nations. They must be totally deceived to think they can go against God and win. <laughs> you can't go to battle with God and think you're going to win. God's going to win. All right? Gentiles, they look at Armageddon as a battle. But listen, but to God, it will only be, and I'm using biblical terminology, it will only be a supper for the fowls of the air. We've seen that. If you turn with me to Revelation chapter 19 in verse 17 through 21, we actually see the recorded biblical account of the battle of Armageddon. Revelation chapter 19 beginning at verse number 17. The Bible says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Wow. That ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse, that's the Lord Jesus, and against his army. Look at verse 20. And The beast was taken. (laughs) Hey, he got captured pretty quick, didn't he? The beast was taken with him and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worship his image. These both, now listen, these both, the false prophet and the Antichrist, both were cast, not dead, but alive into the lake burning with brimstone. Verse 21, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. Boy, it would be terrifying to be in a battle and to see a great general upon a horse coming your way with a sword drawn, knowing That your end is coming quick. But imagine the sword of the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming towards his enemies. Which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. And all the fowls. Were filled. With their flesh. They'll sit back. And pat their bellies with the wings. And say boy that was a good feast. A good meal because. They were filled to the brim. With these things. So you see that the Gentile nations, they'll come up, battle with God, but it's only a supper to him, all right? The next thing that I want you to notice, and that'll be the last vowel. there is a parenthetical section. For the sake of time, I won't get into that, but in verses 13 through 15, it does talk about those unclean spirits like frogs that come out of the mouth of the dragon, the mouth of the beast and false prophet, which would be demons, Okay. And you notice in verse 14, it's and there are the spirits of devils, or demons, all right, working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth, the whole world, to gather them to the battle. Because you imagine, we think in our minds, I mean, a logical person with half sense would have to know that there's no way you can win a battle against God. So you see here, He's convincing some people. Oh, you can win. You can go against God. Satan will try to convince you of some things today. Say, oh, you go ahead and sin. You won't have to pay for it. Go ahead. Other people, everybody, you know, <laughs> other people are doing it, right? They got away with it. No, they didn't. And let me just say something about sin. You can choose. You can choose your actions. But you cannot, listen to, listen to this preacher. You cannot choose the you cannot choose the consequences of your actions. Did you hear what I said? We have a free will. You say, well, I have freedom to do what I want to. You absolutely do. And you can cho- you say, I'm gonna choose my actions. You go right ahead. But you cannot, cannot choose the consequences of for those actions. Now look at verses 17 through 21, which will be the seventh vial. It says, And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. Because this is the seventh vial, seven, the number of completion. It is done. And there were voices, and thunders, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake. Listen, a great earthquake. Listen, how great was it? Such as was not since men were upon the earth. Listen, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fail. And great Babylon came into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of Of the fierceness of his wrath. Now listen to this verse. And every island fled away. And the mountains were not found. You think about Guam, the Hawaiian Islands, the Pacific Islands. They're going to be scattered. Fled away. We look around now, people come down there and say, Well, look at all the wonderful, beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. And then in Tennessee, you got the smoky mountains. Beautiful mountains. But the Bible says here in the mountains, after that earthquake, the mountains were not found. Leveled. That's a great earthquake. Now listen. And there fell upon me in a great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. And men, done what? Repented? No, I'm afraid not. Repent. They blasphemed God because of the plagues of the hail, and the plagues thereof were exceedingly great. What it's telling us here, early in verses 13 through 16, we're winding down. Satan's entire system, his religious system, which is the harlot, Revelation chapter 16, his political and economic system, which is referred to as Babylon in Revelation 18, and his military system, which are the arm, armies that will come together against God, they're coming down and they're going to come crashing down quicker than we can think about Nazi Germany falling in World War II and them crumbling under that system. We see the hailstones hell, the hell that will come down. This reminds us of the seventh plague of Egypt, Exodus 9, verses 22 through 26. Would you stand with me tonight, a time of invitation?